0: It's Thursday, May 17th, and this is The Daily Dive. You've all heard it by now. Is it Yanni or is it Laurel? Everybody hears something a little different, but today we will tell you the true history behind the latest viral sensation. We will speak to Louise Matsakis, a writer for Wired.com, to find out who discovered the audio, who voiced the audio, and what the word actually is. We'll also be joined by Politico reporter Lewis Nelson to find out what was in over 2,500 documents released by the Senate Judiciary Committee about Donald Trump Jr.'s now infamous Trump Tower meeting with a Russian lawyer. Bottom line, there was no dirt on Hillary and everybody left the meeting angry. Finally, we will talk about a new study about marijuana. As legalization spreads across the country, more parents are smoking pot in front of their kids. The unknown variable continues to be what the effect of this secondhand smoke has on children. We will speak to Health Day reporter Dennis Thompson for more. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in.
1: Laurel. Laurel. Laurel.
0: Laurel. Joining us now is Louise Metzakis. She's a writer for Wired.com, covering cybersecurity and online culture. So we have our 2018 version of the dress controversy. It's the Yanny and Laurel sensation. It's taken everybody by storm. Everybody hears something different. People hear Yanni, People hear Laurel. But I've always been fascinated where things that go viral, where they originate from, and how they all started. So let's start with this. A lot of people have found this on Reddit or Twitter, but this all started with a high school freshman.
1: Yeah. So her name is Katie, and she. She lives in Georgia, and she was studying for her, like, world history class, basically. And she went on vocabulary.com to look up one of her vocab words. A lot of people think that Laurel is a name, but in this case, it's actually referring— it's basically a synonym for a crown. So she looked up this word, and then she saw that there was an audio recording, so she listened to it, and she heard Yanny. And everyone in her class kind of heard different things. She went home, showed it to her sister, um, and I guess she put it on Instagram. And then another friend at the school— put it on his Instagram, and then another kid nearby put it on Reddit. And that's kind of when it started to go viral. But I think it's really pure, because it's really just high schoolers using a vocabulary website, which is kind of great.
0: I also love in the article that you wrote up for wired.com, it was a, like a high school senior after Katie had put it up on her Instagram, some senior picked it up, and then they were going back and forth, and they put it on Reddit, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, Katie and I've been going back and forth, and we agree we both get equal credit for it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I also think um, it's kind of funny. This isn't in the article, but um, they followed up with me and they're actually now kind of extending the credit to the kid who put it on Reddit, which is really nice. So kind of the three of them are sharing the credit now.
0: People found it on Reddit or Twitter. It was this um, popular YouTuber, Chloe Feldman, who I think that's where I saw it originally. So people immediately think it originated there. But it's funny that it's these three high school kids that really started this craze.
1: I think because Chloe is kind of like, you know, she has a makeup line and a, or I think like a fashion line so she's kind of already like really doing it online as an influencer that when a lot of people saw the clip they thought that it had been like custom generated or right. like machine generated to sound that way and then you know, people had these conspiracy theories that it was like a brand stunt or something
0: <laughs> and that's another interesting angle to it it came from vocabulary.com but the story of the voice who actually recorded it is also very interesting who was that
1: we don't have his name we haven't published it because we don't know if he's really comfortable being a viral star, but he's a Broadway singer and he was in the original production of Cats and, you know, actors have to do side gigs. So he read over 30,000 words for Vocabulary.com over a decade ago when the website first launched. So a lot of people think this is computer generated, but it's not. It's actually a singer pronouncing them. And um, if you really want to get a flavor for what he's like, go listen to the entry Audacity, which is really funny and kind of actually sounds more like a personality and the laurel entry does. And then you kind of realize, OK, maybe this isn't machine generated. And it was actually this guy, you know, just in an office in New York kind of doing this uh, gig labor, you know, in 2007.
0: And why was he chosen? They have to uh, these they chose a lot of opera singers and performers because they can read the international phonetic alphabet. Is that what that is?
1: Right. So if you've ever like looked in a dictionary or sometimes you see these in like translation dictionaries, it's like dots and letters and hyphens. And it's this international standard for how to pronounce any word in any language. And opera singers know how to read this because they often sing in languages that they don't speak. So that's why they kind of chose them. And, um, you know, dictionary.com told me that at the time, one of their office managers was, you know, by night an opera singer. And that's how they got the idea. It's all very serendipitous. OK,
0: so let's play this. And I want to ask you if you're a Yanni or Laurel person real quick. Laurel. Laurel.
1: Laurel. Laurel.
0: All right. So Louise, what do you hear when you hear that?
1: I've always heard Laurel, which I'm very validated that that is correct. Yes. Um, I've never heard Yanny, but unfortunately, I don't know if you know this, but if you're older or if you um, have a lot of eardrum damage, you're more likely to hear Laurel because it's a lower frequency. Right. So younger people tend to hear Yanny.
0: Yeah. I've always heard Yanny uh, since right at the beginning. And I know that uh, you can change the pitch a little bit up or down, and then you can kind of get the audio to switch over Uh, you know we've played around in the office and a lot of people you know they say oh that's the point where I hear it switch over to another thing but they say yeah a lot of uh, there's a lot of factors the headphones speakers that you're using they also say whether you're hearing on Twitter or Instagram the compression of the files your brain plays a portion into it a lot of times you're filling in the gaps of what you think the audio is going to be so all that stuff kind of plays into what we're actually hearing
1: I think that it's kind of interesting that people saw or heard Yanni when they were looking at vocabulary.com because often you're Brain is influenced by like the words in front of it. So if you saw Laurel, like you would probably be primed to hear Laurel, but people were still hearing Yanny.
0: And Laurel now is the most popular entry on Vocabulary.com.
1: That is what I've heard, which <laughs> I think is kind of nice. I think they, I'm glad they're kind of getting credit in the end yeah. that it wasn't a brand stunt. Louise
0: Metzakis, she's a writer for Wired.com covering cybersecurity and online culture. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. For the last word on this, I'm going to bring in my producer Miranda Moreno. Uh, Miranda, what are you? Are you a Yanny or Laurel? person. I'm a Laurel. See, I'm sorry. I've always heard Yanni right up at the front. I don't know what it is. We had this argument yeah. uh, on, what was that, Tuesday? What we did was actually play around with the original recording, change the pitch. We changed it higher. We put it lower. So we're just going to play it and then chime in where you hear the change up, because you're going to hear it change at some point in this recording. Okay.
2: I'm
0: hearing Laurel. I'm hearing Yanny.
2: It's
0: going to get lower. Yanny. I'm hearing Yanny. it. Yanny. I still hear Yanny. Yanny. Laurel. Laurel. It went back oh, to Laurel. That's right where it changed right there. Where Laurel. you heard it switch, yeah. it went back to Laurel for Laurel. Right. Laurel. And I still hear Laurel, Laurel. now. And all we did Laurel. was change, like I said, change the pitch Laurel. up and down a couple ways. Yeah, we
1: just manipulated so, the frequency. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. But it's
0: just super interesting, and I'm glad we're able to settle this. Well, you know it's what, Yanny. though?
1: Legally, I'm right.
0: <laughs> exactly. I know.
2: There were a plethora of uhs and ums and I don't recalls and my impression from watching Donald Trump Junior in
0: that meeting is that he abated and contradicted himself in many of his answers and He needs to come back before the committee and testify in person under oath. Joining us now is Lewis Nelson, reporter for Politico. Uh, Senate Intelligence Committee uh, released a statement saying that Russia did indeed meddle in our elections in the effort of helping Donald Trump and putting down Hillary Clinton. Can you tell us what they said?
3: Basically, the the Senate Intelligence Committee more or less took the same position that the U.S. intelligence community took when it released its own report in the week's uh, leading up to President Trump's inauguration. It's like you said, that uh, it was that not only did Russia interfere in the 2016 presidential election, but they uh, did so with the specific aim of helping Donald Trump, aiding his candidacy, doing so mostly by uh, hurting Hillary Clinton. This is notable for a couple of reasons, mainly because it is a bipartisan finding that both of the, both the Republicans and the Democrats on, the, on that Senate Intelligence Committee have signed on to. And that puts it at odds. Uh, not just with the White House and with President Trump, uh, but it also puts the Senate committee at odds with the House Intelligence Committee, which found in its own report that the Trump administration uh, was more or less correct, that the Kremlin had not sought to help Hillary Clinton. So the Senate, and particularly the Republicans who control that Senate committee, are basically putting themselves sort of at odds with the president and with their colleagues on the other side of Capitol Hill.
0: Also coming out of the Senate, this is from the Senate Judiciary Committee. They released more than 2,500 pages of documents about the uh, about Donald Trump Jr.'s meeting in Trump Tower with this uh, Russian lawyer and, and a couple of her associates. What did they say in that?
3: There's a lot going on in this transcript, and I, I I don't think we could probably go through all of it here for your listeners, but I think some of the key points and the main takeaway that at least the Democrats on the committee, who are again in the committee's minority, but the Democrats on the committee said the main point to come out of it was the tone of that meeting between uh, Trump campaign officials and that Russian attorney was one of frustration on the part of the Trump campaign officials they were upset that there was not the sort of damaging information on Hillary Clinton that had been promised to them when they agreed to take the meeting all of the Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee signed off on a letter basically arguing more or less this is evidence or, or sort of further sort of drives home the point that there was this meeting is evidence efforts of collusion that there was an intent on the part of those in the Trump campaign to try and partner with the with the Russian government, because this was what they had been promised uh, in this particular meeting.
0: Right. And it ended up uh, turning out yeah. to be nothing more than uh, the Russian lawyer, Natalia Veselnitskaya, talking about Russian adoptions. They reached a point where they said everybody was really frustrated. People were embarrassed on both sides because they weren't getting what they wanted. And uh, I think Jared Kushner was embarrassed, very frustrated, agitated, saying, hey, can you focus a little bit and start over again? Nothing really Came of it.
3: I think it's important, too, to, to, to note when you're talking about the the issue of Russian adoption. It sounds like a really niche issue, but what it really does is it gets down to the base of a lot of the issues between the United States and Russia. The, the issue with Russian adoptions basically stems from this law that the Russian government passed banning Americans from adopting Russian children. But that was a law put in place by the Russian government as retaliation for a set of sanctions put in place, passed by Congress against Russia. Russia, something called the Magnitsky Act, which has to do with a, a prominent attorney who had been investigating the Russian government being killed. And so it's not just this sort of this niche issue of Russian adoptions. When you talk about Russian adoptions, what this Russian attorney was really trying to talk about was the lifting of sanctions and was trying to discuss sanctions that had been imposed on very prominent, very powerful Russians by the US government. You right. know, so so it, it does it does get to, you know, issues deeper than just adoptions, which are obviously important, but yeah, uh, according you know, to intergovernmental issues, things like that.
0: According to the papers, though, even uh, Donald Trump Jr. said, "Don't talk to me about that. Talk to people in the Obama administration because they're currently in power still." Even still, at to that point, he was he was concerned with something else, is what we're gathered from these documents, and really didn't even care about that. The other thing was that was kind of interesting that came out of these papers was that Donald Trump Jr. said he never discussed the Russia probe with his dad, with the president, which just kind of seems really weird, really awkward. Yeah, it
3: seems. Uh um, far-fetched, maybe, is a good way to put it, or at least, uh, I mean, I'm certainly, I guess, not in a position to say whether or not Donald Trump Jr. is telling the truth. I've never, I've never met him, and I don't know what he talks about with his father. But certainly, I think it raised a lot of eyebrows from folks, especially, you know, I think Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee and uh, sort of uh, cocked an eyebrow at that, the notion that Donald Trump Jr. has never discussed the Russia investigation with his father, especially given the fact that they're not supposed to talk about the Trump Organization business, but just, you know, you know, just as an example of something else that they're not supposed to talk about or that they've said previously that they don't talk about. But Donald Trump Jr. has also said at times that yes, they do talk about the Trump organization's business and that Donald Trump Jr. does. I think he said at one point he talked to his father about quarterly, about what the what the Trump organization was doing and, and things like that. Certainly there was a, a lot of sort of, uh, let's say, skepticism about that particular claim from Trump Jr., I think, among a lot of folks in Washington. Uh,
0: Lewis, I have yeah. one last question for you. We talked about, a little earlier in the podcast, are you a Yanny or Laurel guy? I'm glad you asked about
3: this. Really important pressing issue of the day. It really is. Uh, it absolutely is. Save the best for last. It's obviously Yanny. Yes. I don't I don't know how anybody's <laughs> hearing Laurel on there. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. The dress is white and gold and I'm hearing Yanny. <laughs> uh, that's what it is. Uh, oh, everybody else great. is wrong.
0: Well, Take a listen to the podcast because the actual word is Laurel and we, we explain it all, but I agree. I heard Yanni the whole time. Get out of here. I refuse
3: to believe it. I'll (laughs) have to listen
0: in. All right. Lewis Nelson, reporter for Politico. Thank you very much for joining us. It's
3: a pleasure. Thanks, guys.
0: There's a smaller body, smaller lung space, but they do tend to breathe a little bit more rapidly than adults. So there is the possibility that they could have an increased risk of toxicity from marijuana smoke. Joining us now is Dennis Thompson. He's a reporter for Health Day. So there was a recent study published in the Journal of Pediatrics and it found that as legalization and for recreational marijuana, for medical marijuana, as that increases across the states, more and more parents are smoking pot in front of their kids, around their kids. What did this study say?
2: Well, basically uh, the major finding was on parents who smoke cigarettes. And they found that among parents who smoke cigarettes, pot use increased from 11% in 2002 to over 17% in 2015. Basically, marijuana use was nearly four times more common among cigarette smokers versus non-smokers. So kids in those families not only are getting exposed to tobacco smoke, they're also getting exposed to to marijuana smoke.
0: There was one interesting thing that said that they are making progress in limiting kids' exposure to second hand cigarette smoke at least but this is the <laughs> kind of flip side of it less cigarette smoke more marijuana smoke
2: yeah that's exactly right they've made uh, and that's the concern that the researcher uh, researchers had was that we're making headway in getting people not to quit smoking and that has the the nice side effect of limiting kids exposure to secondhand smoke but as marijuana becomes more popular there's a concern that you're basically swapping uh, tobacco smoke for popular. Smoke in these
0: homes. One thing that uh, it, I think it was unclear, maybe you can shed some light on it. They didn't know if parents were smoking directly in front of the kids or like, let's say in the living room in a closed environment. They didn't know if it was that or just kind of generally at home, right?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I had asked the researchers about that. Basically, they they couldn't pinpoint where it was being smoked. There's a chance that parents are always going out on the back porch, or always going outside. Obviously, if they're smoking anywhere inside the house, that smoke gets through walls, gets through ventilation systems. So if they're smoking inside, they're 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 exposing their kids.
0: And a lot of this is focused on the on the secondhand smoke and, and its effects. One thing that came out of the study that was very very interesting there's another study in out of Colorado uh, they said that 16% of kids that were hospitalized with bronchitis or something similar that they had been exposed to marijuana smoke
2: yeah what's nice about legalization is that we're now getting better data on marijuana use and its effects. Before, it's been very difficult to research because it was illegal everywhere. Now, with states legalizing marijuana, researchers are able to get in there and actually look at what the effects are. In this case, a uh, study in Colorado, they examined blood tests of kids who were hospitalized for a um, lung infection called bronchiolitis, and they found that 16% of kids had blood markers showing that they'd been exposed to marijuana smoke and about half of the kids had been exposed to both tobacco and pot smoke.
0: And that was reflected in the the newer study that parents are increasing their smoking of marijuana. They're already cigarette smokers but they're also now smoking more marijuana.
2: That's exactly right. Like I said, marijuana use is nearly four times more common among cigarette smokers versus non-smokers. You have About 17% of parents who smoke cigarettes also smoking pot. Non-smokers, the rate went up from 2% to 4%. So basically you've got 17% of smokers smoking pot. You've got about 4% of non-smokers smoking pot.
0: And do you think it's just because, obviously, you know, it's being legalized more, but it's becoming less of a taboo? It's just like drinking in front of your kids. If you kind of normalize it, maybe the kids won't try to go behind your back and try some. Do you think really that's kind of where it lies?
2: Well, that's what the researchers believe is that one of the theories they have is that as marijuana becomes legal and becomes normalized, it's going to be like uh, sipping a beer in front of your kid. You know, people sip a beer in front of their kid all the time and they don't think twice about it. With legalization, people might shrug and think the same thing. The, the, the problem is smoking pot in front of your kid, you're exposing your kid to that secondhand smoke and that secondhand smoke could have some, some health effects.
0: The study was funded by the National Institute. Institutes of Health and the National Institute on Drug Abuse. Do we expect to see some awareness campaigns of this coming soon?
2: Just about every public health official that I've spoken with has been very, very concerned about the unseen effects of legalization. There are people who say that it's a harmless drug, and, and it might well be, but you know, you can say that alcohol is a harmless drug, and yet we have drunk driving laws. We're, we're going to need some more research to find out exactly where the harms are in marijuana legalization and, and what we need to do to make sure that people are, are safe while they're using.
0: Dennis Thompson, reporter for Health Day, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Oh, No problem. Thank you.
0: All right, that's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by John Considine. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was Your Daily Dive.